This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. Uh, my name is John Trooper. I am an editor at Lookout Landing. I almost know how to pronounce my last name <laughs> Sorry. correctly. Trooper. Trooper. Man, I let you lead the intro, and this is what happened. <laughs> apparently, apparently, you. Uh, so I uh, am joined, as you may hear, by not one but two uh, people eager to jump on my <laughs> uh, my foibles. Uh, as always, Kate Prusser, managing editor of Lookout Landing. Kate, how you doing? Hello, I am soaking up this summer weather, guiltily eating the end of my dinner, which was Hawaiian sheet pan shrimp, delicious. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well. We are also joined by uh, my fellow editor here at Lookout Landing, Isabel Manassian. Um, Isabel, how are you? And and what are you? What have you been dining on this evening? Uh, following in the sheet pan trend, mm-hmm. uh, fajita sh- sheet pan chicken. I'm not sure the order of the words there. It's been it's been a long weekend. I'm very tired, mm-hmm. so some of the words might not come out in the order that I'd like them to. Well, I, John Troopham, will uh, <laughs> try not to yeah, be too... Yeah, the shining example. Well, because you guys were at... I didn't go to any of the games, which I was sad about. But um, for those of you who read the site, you know, my grandfather passed away recently. And we had this mm-hmm. memorial service this weekend. And it was a lot of... My grandpa was in a lot of ways, like, someone who really taught me how to study hitting mechanics. Because he's an engine. he was an engineer and mm-hmm. um, a golfer, big-time golfer. And... Obviously, I think Tim Cantu has uh, talked about this on our site, the overlap between the mechanics of the golf swing and the mechanics of the baseball swing. And, mm-hmm. um, has he written So about I got a lot this? of that from him. You know, uh, no. And Tim, if you're listening, <laughs> you I have better a great be article idea for you. Is it not required <laughs> listening for all of the staff members? I was under the impression that we had homework. Mm, oh yeah absolutely reading the site and listening to the podcasts are are definitely definitely a little homework um, um as someone but yeah so anyway oh, sorry, I, go ahead. sorry i was i was out this weekend and uh didn't go to a lot of the games so i'll be interested in hearing from you i recapped one of them uh which was thrilling but <laughs> i wasn't at any of them so i'll be interested in hearing about your experiences but go ahead john i 
assume you want to talk about golf, so I'm just going to tune out. <laughs> well, I was I do not particularly want to uh, talk about golf, but I did want to note, like, as someone who plays on a adult baseball uh, team, uh, about 50% of the time in the dugout before games, uh, whatnot, uh, by everyone who hits, is just spent talking about their golf swing and talking about their, like, practicing their golf mechanics uh, and then trying to translate those. So that, that is an interesting place to hear your sort of entry, wo- entry point to hitting mechanic observations yeah, come from I d- because I it is such a... I don't spend a ton of... I do not golf, but I follow many baseball players in our systems, mm-hmm. um, especially of the minor league variety, and they are always golfing. Shout out Chase DeYoung, who is just every single off day <laughs> working on the old golf. And I think he's actually a pretty decent golfer. Um, so it makes sense to me, like, the the overlap between the ideal swing mechanics the ideal hit mechanics and whatnot it's uh it's definitely you know there's a lot of similarity and you know th- also there's al- also and let us not look past this white men and and also like the majority of you know like you there's a lot of overlap in places you can play baseball all year and places you can play golf all year right sure, like sure. if you're if you're coming from if you're coming to play professional baseball odds are you know if you are an american that you're coming from california texas uh or florida arizona or, I think you know, Arizona or, uh, has become a big uh, yeah. pipeline pipe yeah. recently. Or, or Georgia. Yeah. And it's like Georgia, absolutely. all those places, pretty pretty around heavy golf. Uh, golf you know, culture, possible. too. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. possibility of being brought up by a parent who is deep in golf or yeah. you know, well, like being exposed to it. On the other side of things, you have to take a minute and imagine the madness of like Gene Segura That's and exactly Nelson Cruz thinking. on a golf course. Like, <laughs> What would Nelson even wear? Can like oh, oh so much he's black. wearing golf shorts. So he's much. wearing no, shorts. He, no, he would wear a pair of fierce golf pants. Like oh yeah, with an extreme mm. strong check. Can you imagine that neck in a polo though? Can you imagine the golf cart like zooming around the course, <laughs> bumping like reggaeton or whatever? Like, the bat flips. The <sighs> the club flips. The par- well, that that was a, a commercial, wasn't it? The boonie, the boonie, yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah, so I mean, that relationship has always been pretty strong, and when you think about it, the two s- sports I think do share a similar demographic, so hmm. it makes sense. But man, now I am just in- totally enamored of the idea of like No <laughs> Cruz, Segura, and Heredia going out, oh, His- hitting the links. I am. I already don't really understand how he makes solid contact with his current <laughs> swing. I don't think I could imagine with how much movement that he has immediately post contact how it would translate to a golf ball. Like he's just falling over the tee each each swing, uh, Wait, but somehow just looping it. Can I know. tell my favorite? Can I tell my Heredia? Let me tell the Heredia story. I'm not supposed to tell it. <laughs> I was not supposed to put it in the public because my contact at Tacoma. Brett, who doesn't listen to the podcast, told him you, can't, like, name, you can't name your contact if you're telling a story that's already. Not but he doesn't listen, so it's fine. It's fine. No one's gonna hear this. Um, that like, 
when Guillermo was still in Tacoma, he and Vogelback saw each other, and Laura was like, how are you today? And Guillermo was like, wonderful! And Vogelback was like, delightful! And they just, like, yelled synonyms for, like, goodness back and forth, like, sort of like uh, Ruiz and and Kyle doing the, the animal off. And I just, I would pay so much money to see this. I would have paid so much money to be a fly on the wall at that moment. I have to say, nothing brought me greater joy than hearing about (gasps) how he and Andrew Moore shared a locker or were side by side. And that he asked Andrew, I guess, the first day if he spoke Spanish. And she was like, yeah, sure. Like a little bit. And Heredia just saw that as his opening and just spoke at him in Spanish the entire time. Yeah, like long, 20-minute discursive <laughs> orations on well, I, everything that was happening. I feel like Andrew is so polite that he, like, he's not going to interrupt. And he's no, 100%. Like, oh, no, I don't. He's just nodding and smiling. and. <laughs> no, Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So that is probably my favorite number one Guillermo Heredia interaction. The Vogelback one has to come in at number two. And then this story that we got told recently by Nathan Rauschenberg, the oh, um, God, yes. social mm-hmm. media coordinator for social media. I don't know what his job is exactly. I'm sorry, Nathan. I don't know your job title. Digital exactly. marketing head. Digital marketing head. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Like, let's just throw some words out. And we think you're very impressive. important, Nathan. Super, super important. <laughs> Um, the story he told about having the Super Nintendo in the clubhouse and Mortal Kombat and Guillermo getting really excited about that. Like, mm. uh, finish him! <sighs> that one actually might be number one. Like, picturing Guillermo just shouting catchphrases from Mortal Kombat might just actually like, be my favorite Guillermo story. With the bonus edition of Mitch acting as translator yes. for this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which actually kind of brings up a good point. So uh, I've been in the clubhouse this season, and Kate, you've been in the clubhouse, and I feel like we should talk about that because that's super fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the clubhouse. But, I was just in the press box just once, so not special. Still fun and exciting. You got to talk to Ryan Roland Smith. I did. That's what our people want to hear about. Kite! <laughs> Are you kite? <laughs> like... <laughs> If I wasn't, I would be telling you I was right now. That's a handsome man. That is a handsome. I mean, he sat down next to me and I was like angry about how good looking he is. <laughs> he just look. I mean, he's in great shape. Uh, we had a great, great conversation about like um, the work he's been doing on the broadcasts and, and pitching. And um, he had some really nice things to say about Brian DeLumis that I think try to turn into an article which yeah did you listen to the latest wheelhouse podcast maybe it was this one or the last one i think it was this latest one was right before the beginning of the angels series yes so yes Um, but there was more effusive praise of brian delunas and i think that's kind of an interesting person to pay attention to or to maybe attribute some success to i think 100 percent um so the interesting thing and what ryan was uh talking to me about was that he so delunas never played professionally and when you haven't played professionally there 
and you're wanting to coach guys, there's a little bit of, or has been in the past, like some resistance to that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting the way that he has worked himself into this figure of authority. And what I'm particularly interested in is, um, so you have Jim Brower has the stats, Mel Stottlemyre is kind of like your feel guy, and then DeLunis is really your mechanics guy. And um, mm-hmm. I think just for the guys who have been willing to embrace that, they've really just like wrapped their arms around what he has to tell them. And, um, you know, I think we're seeing it like with Casey Lawrence and the cha- the hesitation that some of them are, are picking up or the just subtle changes to their delivery. Um, and just the history he's had with coaching people and uh, his whole, as, as we've seen, like individual hitting clinics and pitching clinics and places like Driveline um, kind of become really respected in the, within the baseball community. I think DeLunis, even though he hasn't played, like what he represents means a lot to a certain kind of player. And that's the certain kind of player that the Mariners have gone out and tried to acquire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is this a good transition into talking about Matt Harvey? Because, <laughs> you know, we have to, right? Um, sure. Yeah. I, I, you want to just knock that off and then we can like go and do the, the review of the home yeah. and everything. Um, so Matt Harvey was designated for assignment by the New York Mets, uh, after, uh, what's, what's it been? It's been five years, essentially. He, he sort of, he came up in, uh, 2012, I believe, had, uh, had a incredible, uh, 2013, uh, which ended with him getting, uh, his uh, tearing something in his elbow, uh, missed a whole year with Tommy John, came back, was still very good, then eventually missed the end of that uh, year and so, some of 2016 with thoracic outlet syndrome and never really fully got back to being much good. Um, and so after complaints about him being hurt uh, or not taking things seriously and being bad for the clubhouse and refusing an assignment to the minors. Uh, The Mets are done with him. He's throwing slower than ever, and he still might be the second most talented starting pitcher on the Mariners if the Mariners went out and acquired him. Ooh, let's let's draw a hard line between (laughs) velocity and talent, please. Um, Well, that's He would be, it's fair to say he would be the second hardest throwing Yes. Behind James Paxton. He he would have the second highest fastball velocity. But talent, I think... Throwing hard is not talent. Velocity is not talent. Like, we, as you mentioned in your article, like, Arch- Archimedes Caminero, mm. Thiago Vieira, like, you can throw triple digits, and if you don't know where it's going, or if it's arrow straight, it's going to get mm. punished by a major league hitter. So. It, it kind of raises an interesting question, though, of how you classify talent because essentially like the the peak of everyone who's not James Paxton in the starting rotation is like a number three starter on like an average team and can a number three starter be talented like in the grand scope of 
every person who's ever played baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Like mm. they're pitching at the major league level. Three spot isn't bad, but I'm not sure if I would say Mike Leake is talented. Definitely, it, it, he doesn't jump off. You know, like when when you think of talent, he, he's he's. I believe pitchability is the t- term I think it would be used for him, which is such a weird way of saying just like doesn't throw hard but throws everything very. Yeah, pitchability is like, like the good personality. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and the Mariners have essentially four and really like ten guys who are pitchability guys, right? I mean, they have. Right. You know, if we're going down all through AAA and, you know, just the general grouping of people, including Andrew Moore and Chase DeYoung, who could be considered within the the spectrum of possible starting pitchers, you know. Rob Whalen. Rob Whalen, Max Posey, Ariel Miranda. Uh, not necessarily Rowan Elias, but I don't, you know, but he's sort of a different case, I guess, but... Uh, Christian Bergman, you know, Casey Lawrence, Wade LeBlanc, you know, all of these people are pitchability kind of guys. And Matt Harvey, when he was good, uh, was not that. Matt Harvey was located decently and also threw really hard and had stuff that moved. Um, mm-hmm. And now he still throws harder than everyone else, but he doesn't locate nearly as well. Um, and he's not fooling anyone. Um, and so the question, I guess, there is, you know, when we when ceilings are discussed on players, I think it's usually pretty closely tied to velocity. And it can obviously, you know, Kate, as you said, it's not all that. It is, it is pitch movement. It is spin rate. You know, you can throw a 91, 92 mile per hour fastball and if it moves a ton. Uh, so, you know, the issue with Harvey is, you know, he is not getting anyone to swing and miss. He's not getting anyone to chase out of the zone. And that's an issue with his fastball, but it's also an issue with his breaking pitches. And so if that's just health and there's nothing physically to be fixed, or if it's mentality and he's unwilling to fix you know, or, or be receptive, then that's one thing. But, you know, just in pure terms of a guy who used to throw hard and had success and still throws harder than anyone else that the Mariners would be running out, uh, if there is something mechanical in there that can be adjusted, then by, by the s- traditional definition of ceiling, I think that's a ceiling worth looking at for the Mariners because they have so many guys who are so similar. And 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 if any, you know, if some of the guys in that grouping that they have in AAA and in AA and whatnot set themselves apart, then this becomes less of an issue. But right now, you know, right, right now, none of them are covering themselves in glory. Exactly. Unfortunately. Exactly. And that yeah. makes someone like Harvey more appealing because you see it is easier to see a pathway to them setting themselves apart purely because you we from where we are can see the velocity you know we can't right. see the other things that a coaching staff might see um in a nitty-gritty way a- as easily so 
Right, and were they sense. were were they to bring him on, I would feel like maybe they've done their due diligence and I should trust mm. them. But also, they brought Steve Clevenger in. Like, I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't like the idea of making that choice out of desperation. I will say on the other side, the Mets let Chase and Bradford go for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, just decided he wasn't worth protecting, which is bonkers. He's a totally useful major league pitcher. I don't know what they thought they were going to sneak him past on waivers. <laughs> they let Eric Goodell walk, who has been complete, who, not completely useful, but like... Has showed up well in his brief stints. Very um, good sacrificial body. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, great hair. Um, I'm well, not and... sure how functional, like, I'm not sure that Matt Harvey is a totally functional individual character-wise or whatever, but mm. I would say it's a tough place to grade him in in the Mets organization because I don't think of them as a functional organization. There... Oh, go ahead. Like, I get a really early 2010s Jack Z feel out of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're, especially with Harvey, like, every bridge has been burned. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to, like, you have to look at whatever is coming out of their camp in regards to Harvey as being completely tainted and affected Mm -hmm. by all of that bad blood. And, like, I'm kind of, there are some small... Puig flashbacks to whenever it was two years ago when mm-hmm. the Dodgers busted him down to triple A. Yeah, and ultimately kind of pulled him back from waivers. But there was a lot of talk about like he needs to like not be in LA. He needs a small market. Like he's just had too much time with the spotlight on him. Mm. And Puig himself had said that it meant a lot to kind of move down in the order and to take some of that pressure off and I kind of I'm curious about whether Harvey feels similarly or if he is just that like type A man that is not is just going to go down fighting yeah and it's tough I guess it's tough to the Mets thing. I guess it's tough to the Mets thing is especially Syndergaard's yeah. whole thing last year right where they just had him pitching through a uh, like partially torn mm-hmm. elbow of some sort, and then he had mm-hmm. to, you know, get full surgery and miss most of the season. You know, they nearly just pitched Degrom through an injury, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, so the I- the idea that essentially they were getting pissed at Harvey for not working through things is, you know, perhaps we Harvey deserves a little more benefit of the doubt on that. Um, you know, and I, I mean, it's the same team that is keeping Jose Reyes around so that he can be a mentor to younger players. <laughs> like, woohoo! So, <laughs> just kind of generally not, uh, not functional. Dysfunctional. Yeah. So dysfunctional. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think. I. I maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm not gonna say they should go get Matt Harvey. But I think it's. It's worth looking at, <laughs> at the very least, and it it's not going to, you know, a few Matt Harvey ap- appearances or starts instead of Wade LeBlanc starts or appearances. I don't think you're missing too much there, uh, 
in in terms of what you could get. Yeah. Um, Although the Mets would have to eat a significant chunk of that contract for me to feel hmm. okay. What is it? Lar- like largely, be- what, how much is it? Is it five? It's million? it's five point eight million. So probably at this point, it's nah. Screw it. Down I, to like I, five would, I, I would rather eat the contract than give up any of our extremely dwindling resources <laughs> on the farm. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, what well, like what's the money? What do we care about the money? I guess the money in my mind is has become so much more of like a principle, which isn't a particularly healthy way of thinking about it. But the fact that like they kept stating over the off season that they'd hit their cap, they'd hit their cap, mm-hmm. and used that as the rationale for not going out and getting any other starting pitching when that was the glaring mm-hmm. place of yeah. need. Any kind of other addition beyond that feels like are you kidding me? Like I mean if you look at if you look at the starting pitching that was on the market though and how it's performing, like it doesn't look so bad to have decided to pass on, say, Alex Cobb or Lance Lynn or uh actually Darvish hasn't even been all of that great. He's he's had some pretty uneven performances, so It's true. But like the what is it what is the M's ERA right now? It's like five point three. Yeah, like... but I, I feel like that I think it's four something, but I think that it's it's that is really overblown by a few of these blowout losses. I I don't have a problem with them liking what they have in house and feeling like because what the what the M's have been betting on all along is that they can out coach other people like they're saying we can take your flotsam and jetsam and make it into a usable pitcher that's what they did with Nick Vincent and I think that that's the path they're taking with Jason Bradford Casey Lawrence for I think that I don't know. Matt Harvey enough to know how receptive he is to coaching and how receptive he would be to maybe taking the Felix approach with him. Like, okay, you don't have this big fastball anymore. You can't just rely on overpowering batters. You have to outsmart batters. If they felt like they could get somewhere with him, I feel like he could help down the line. I wouldn't expect a lot of out of him immediately, but I, so much of it, and I mean, they've already had to wage these campaigns. Like, they've had to wage a campaign with Casey Lawrence to get him to look at data and to get him to become accepting of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, all of this is also a moot point because, like, he's going to be a giant. That's <laughs> probably, yeah, that's probably. <laughs> there's, there's no real question in my mind. Well, I, I mean, if it's a. That's a division, not a division rival, but that's a. Um, but with, so a wild with, card rival, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if they're really done with him, then they might think that they are <laughs> pulling. They're just shedding over. him, and they're happy yeah. to shed him. Yeah, yeah. 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 the giant aren't the giants a little close to the ceiling though, because they have some pretty high. Uh, yes, so I think it would probably they'd probably just send some international money or something. Maybe I don't. Mm, yeah, mm, international money. I didn't think about that. Um. All right. Well. Uh, let's let's talk about some people <laughs> who are definitely mariners. Okay. Right. Um, I you know we we've we did not uh, talk quite enough about uh, the great road trip, um, 
but we also have had the meh homestand um, where I, I believe the Mariners were 6-6. Six and six, um, and On the homestand? Or on the road trip? On the homestand. Uh, right, two and two and one against Oakland, one and two against the Angels. Yes. Uh, also known as three and three. Yeah. By okay. many. Yeah, but I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people. The thir- the I mean, I'm no great math shakes, as anyone. <laughs> it's knows, Monday night podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Just say I was pretty sure it was three and three. Okay. So. I guess what what I what I put in here, and you guys do not need to be beholden to it, but um, you know, who who stood out to you? I guess as as the hero, uh, and and who stood out to you as the villain of the of the weekend, uh, and and of the homestand. Who who made the lasting impression? Uh, good, uh, the lasting good impression, a lasting bad impression for you in this this home homestand here. Mm. I I mean Ryan Healy has to be the hero, right? Like I think so. Yeah, not think only did he call. have the walk off, but he's just been competent on mm-hmm. both sides, or like competent at the plate and pretty stunning for like this giant mountain of a hmm. man with ears sticking out <laughs> east to west. He's got him some little jug handles. They're very mm-hmm. cute. I am so much more charmed by him than I thought I would. He has a personality. <laughs> Who knew? It's Who knew? He, he looks like the most wonderbred person you've ever seen. <laughs> and it he, beneath that, there's there's some chocolate sauce. There's some Nutella. Like <laughs> there's a little bit. A good little some... croissant. Yeah. There's... <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. He has. He has a surprisingly uh, Ryan. Ryan. Uh, I admit that I sort of fell in love with him a little when I watched the Root Sports, the Mariners All Access, and he closed the show with uh, "Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad." <laughs> and it was just—he's so goofy. And I think he—you know—when I, I was at spring training, I saw the Athletics come out and just hug all over him, like just love on him and it wasn't it wasn't just like two or three guys there was like a receiving line for him to go through so mm-hmm. you know he's clearly beloved by teammates a big dugout guy like i think he's i think his contributions at the plate have been great although you're always wondering about like with that walk rate like he's a yeah. uh, big <laughs> yeah he's like big risk big reward but he's been he's an excellent defensive first baseman like an mm-hmm. excellent defensive first baseman which i don't mm-hmm. think we've been treated to i mean danny valencia played a solid first base but yeah. ryan is not quite good enough to be a third baseman but a very very excellent first baseman and and i think we would have been probably happier with valencia's first baseman work if he just had hit at if he all. just hit yeah right yeah, <laughs> for sure it is tough to appreciate <laughs> it a different... lot of things a first yeah. baseman particularly yeah um so like i i would i would definitely classify ryan as the most pleasant surprise of the early season like <clears> i think that of course d is always going to be like a, a pleasant surprise um 
But, you know, there's you have to worry about his center field defense. And I'm not just worried about it from a stand. I don't actually think it's hurt us that much, even when he's misplayed something. Um, but it just, it seems to hurt him. And that, it hurt, is, that hurts me. It is the worst part, is seeing him fail and then watching him, like, turn and watch the replay in shame. Yeah. And you just, you want to go out there and be like, it's okay. It's okay when the ball goes way far back it's so hard like it is it is you are being asked to do an unbelievably hard thing and we love and appreciate you anyway um so i i have a few good things to say about ryan healy uh but before that i do have a question and you guys may know this because you may have already looked but how many walks do you think ryan healy has this year oh (laughs) we talked about this like we talked about this, it's two. We talked about it, this. It is. It is two. Uh, indeed, know? excellent work, uh, Kate. Sort of living in the bit and not revealing <laughs> that we talked about a thing beforehand. Okay, uh, we talked about it though, and it's two. <laughs> I mean, you could have just said, but as we talked about, he has two walks. So one of like, the it's not a mystery. One of like my least favorite things that happens on Twitter is like the player A, player B thing because <laughs> it's, it's such thinly veiled like I'm going to try and trick you into realizing yeah, that it's always I'm a right gotcha. and you are wrong. It's always a gotcha. Um, it is like one of those pocket mysteries you read where it's like the twist ending is something that no normal person would have like, like you couldn't have thought your way to that ending. It's just a pure aha gotcha. Oh, I detest much detest there's a sort of goofy small scale version of that to be done with ryan who will always be ryan capital Mm -hmm. o um my dad legit thinks that's how you pronounce it so i I hope you do not break it in all seriousness no absolutely not i'm no that's better than what my mother has done and she keeps calling him ron Wrong! 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 It's so... Uh, it's just not even anywhere yeah, close. Yeah, the, the Y is silent. Come on, we all... Yeah, yeah, sure. for sure. But um, he and D Gordon kind of are an interesting parallel. They're, like, not quite on the same level, but in, they've both walked the same two times um they're just kind of an interesting duo they're i and like last year i think they were two both were in the bottom five in the league for walk percent like there's such there's such a weird set up for how this team is constructed and how contact oriented they mm-hmm. are uh which kate you wrote a little bit about today actually on the site about how the team has been so good in late innings um <clears throat> but how uh you know how dependent they are on contact and i i think we're gonna have a piece up a little later this week on that as well um but it, you know essentially how that is antithetical to what the rest of the league has been doing and it's not bad inherently but it does lead uh as you wrote kate to the mariners not getting in 
pitch counts up that often. Uh, no, no, they're ba- they're last in the league for uh, tied for last in the league for a number of pitches seen per plate appearance. Yeah, and and that's not inherently bad. You know, you can still if you just get a good pitch to hit in the early in the count, that's quite all right. But um, you know, it, seeing Healy who has exceptional power who has pretty good bat to ball you know scales that he you know it's not like he's striking out at an egregious rate you know he's n- for all the zunino grief that he gets about his low walk rate it's not like you know he's striking out around a league average amount um but you know you just you gotta really wallop the ball uh or you gotta really make good contact if you're not gonna walk that much both yeah. individually and as a team and since you know to his credit uh, since he came back essentially from his ankle injury since he had uh what what was it is well i know you saw i actually both of you i know you saw what was his quote about being in cleveland as his new opening day yeah yeah <laughs> can he go out and take his hat off for the anthem and everything yeah and you know since that day i mean 40 plate appearances only you know a 320 babip which is you know a little high probably for him but 198 WRC plus hitting yeah. 333, 350, 744, you know, a 1094 OPS. I mean, this this is a really good hitter. And, and even if he's, you know, just relatively in the range that his current numbers are at of 115 WRC plus, you know, I mean, that's a reasonable first baseman, you know, that's, that's, and that is far better certainly than he was projected for. And, and that's, you know that's a huge win for the Mariners if he is if he is around a league average player. Yeah, and I mean, he's another example, and I think this is kind of worth diving into a little bit more. But all of the exceptional performances that we've seen so far haven't been kind of crazy hot start, unsustainable mm-hmm. things. These have been. <clears throat> players performing kind of at their peak but mm-hmm. at a sustainable peak and at a healthy rate mm-hmm. like there's nothing particularly unusual beyond a little bit more slugging from Healy mm-hmm. but and I wonder how much of that is him being enrobed in the Mariners lineup overall like yeah, being in the nine hitter <laughs> Yeah, like. being the nine hitter as opposed to being the four hitter and like having be having the job of providing protection, like being kind of sheltered a little bit by bigger bats that yeah, maybe they're gonna get on or somebody behind you the pitcher is afraid of, so he's gonna pitch a little more carefully to you, try to get you to put it in play, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um just it's it's a whole different role for him, and I think he's been a good sport about you know joking about the nine hole being the no four hole. Like <laughs> I don't think that he's a creature of ego in in so much more. I mean, all baseball players are kind of because I think that's what you have to have in order to play a professional sport. And, right. Um, but he doesn't see he he I think recognizes that. In this lineup, he does slot in behind Kyle Seeger and Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano and, you know, even Mitch Haniger, who is kind of similar in age, but obviously has this impressive track record. Like, he understands where he fits and what his job is. I know. Do you want to talk about your hero? No. 
No, no. We're good. We're, there's plenty of season to talk about, Mitch. <laughs> the f- the full-on Mitch Hanniger podcast, the Hannapod. <laughs> At some point, On John, the dark web. I will allow you to do a Hannapod where it's just <laughs> pure Hanniger, like just nothing but a solid wall of Hanniger talk. <laughs> Maybe like when we're championing him for an all-star berth, we can do mm-hmm. a Hanniger, just one, the Mitch hour. Mm-hmm. He's, he's finally been good enough this year that I have let go of the last vestiges of my refusal to root for him because he brought John so much joy. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You you have been around him. The gloating when... There's no gloating. He's just so happy. He's not. It's not mean. Exactly. It's not exactly. mean-spirited. The, the pounding of the chest when there's a home run. Oh, my joy my joy in Mitch is doubled and intensified because I know that it brings John joy. There Clearly, was, there, I love what him I more say, than you do. <laughs> Clearly. This is what this comes down to. What, what, I, what I will say is the full body shake that I made to essentially rock the car that we were both in. When Mitch hit his 10th homer of April while we were driving was potentially dangerous to uh, passersby. And <laughs> I have to drivers. say, too, like a little bit is the sheer joy the whole Hanniger family takes in it. <laughs> uh, I just I had ignored this account because I didn't know what it was. But the at Hanniger Nation account, I believe, oh is his mom. <laughs> she is so active. I think I think that's that's our pal Judy. Um that's and hilarious. yeah, they're they're just very intent and they're very like all behind him and there are so many of them and it's just like I mean with Hanager I feel like you can get on board and just ride the Hanager train and be happy or you can be like a miserable stick in the mud. It's me. And those are the, the choices. I would rather be having the party than be the stick in the mud, so um yeah it's weird but anyway uh this is by the way i've just followed hanniger nation on twitter <laughs> this is a great 12 year old photo it is hanniger. a fantastic account well that was how i determined because i was like how do they have that access some of the stuff that's on that's on that account i was like no this yeah. is clearly a family it's either a family member or it's somebody who needs to be reported well, to the authorities well, i was gonna say now is this like a grandfather playing a very old accordion yes what is yes <laughs> Yes, that's uh, that's uh, I forget what they call him, Bubba Bapu, uh, Papu, Poppy, I believe Poppy. is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you, the whole Hanager Nation, Bapu. it's top to bottom. That's my grandfather. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, right, so it, just top to bottom, the whole everybody Hanager, all everybody Hanager. Oh Who's man, there? we should have made that the shirt. Who's their graphics person is my question. Uh, I would assume it's like a cousin, like some <laughs> some cousin. It's, is it's this cool. account where you found that super weird 16-second YouTube clip? No. No, no, no. Of uh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. No, that's um, – I, I will post that in the links. That okay. Somebody on the, the Maple Grove Twitter DM so, found that. For all of you incredibly. listening right now and – not actively looking at the Hanager Nation Twitter, a sample tweet uh, from May 5th. Sleep, 
rock and roll, dancing, bar crawls, dot, 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 all caps, all overrated, 11 is heaven, believe <laughs> at Mariners. Yeah, Hanager believe is, uh, is, is, is big. Sometimes they tag us in things too, which is great. We love you, Hanager Nation. Man, uh, the, I, the graphics, holy smokes. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's a big, passionate family. <laughs> uh, it is in many ways the family I wish I had. I wish my family was like one thirty second as excited about anything I do as Hanager Nation is. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a professional ball player, so. Uh, so we were talking about heroes, uh, and I don't really want to talk about villains from the homestand. That makes Can me sad. Can we talk about briefly? Because mm -hmm. uh, I feel like Jed Lowry would be a good <laughs> villain. But again, so I was catching up on all of my wheelhouse podcasts clearly today. Um, and DePoto kind of kept referencing Jed Lowry and yeah. being very complimentary of Jed Lowry. And mm -hmm. I just feel like there's a decent possibility that we will blink. And somehow Jed Lowry, <laughs> Jed Lowry will be Lowry. ours and the A's will have like three relievers that we didn't know about from <laughs> Modesto. Uh, well, Jed Lowry is up for, is he a free agent after this year? Or I, I think, I think he was, that... yeah, because I think he was signed, what was it? He, he had some sort of uh, deal here where he, he did. Uh, yeah, this was like his option year, and he's yeah, so he's that's right. His, his option. This is his final year. Yeah, and I mean he is gonna cost them money, and the A's don't like to pay money. So mm -hmm. I mean I don't want us to pay money for Jed Lowry, but I could see I could see it happening. He's thirty four. Oh, that is so much yeah. older than I thought wow. he was. Yeah. In fairness. You can't convince me he's not Brett Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> and I did think he was again until just uh, moments ago uh, when I realized that Brett Lowry, I think, signed a minor's deal maybe yeah. somewhere and somehow just didn't quite work out. Oh, no, sorry. Brett Lowry hasn't uh, played since 2016. <laughs> Actually, um, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Oh, man, A's that Josh Donaldson deal. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kendall Graveman in the minors again. Yep, yep, that was weird. Hey, Frank so, Barreto though. Anyway. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy for Jed Lowry finding some success. He's going to be an all-star this year, right? Doesn't that seem kind of inevitable? Unless he just falls off humongously. I mean... A's got to have someone. And A's got to have someone. Some but, uh, third baseman is going to get voted in. Donaldson's going to get voted in over him somehow, over Chapman somehow. Mm, uh, I don't know. Don it's, Donaldson's arm still attached he's, to no, his he's body? No, he's been abysmal, but he will be voted in by uh, the country of Canada. Mm, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Jed Lowry had surgery to repair a deviated septum last season huh. and it completely changed his sleep schedule because he had like a sleep disorder because it was obstructing airflow and he couldn't get decent sleep to, at night hmm. and also apparently had a joint capsule repair on his big toe 
that they believed was a bunion for a couple of years and now appears to be more athletic. Okay. <laughs> Those are some weird ass injuries. <laughs> this uh, is this this is the secret part of baseball that I love mm-hmm. is like I am not a science or biology minded person, but I do love the niche baseball injuries. That is true. You are our you are our um shoulder inflammation whatever oh, let me tell you all about through. thoracic outlet syndrome yes <laughs> whatever altavilla went down with this past week did all yes. the research on that lat's little helper the lat's little helper i believe that was erasmus but uh, yeah no, the Anyway, so uh, Jed Lowry is a... I, I just feel like the whole role of the Oakland A's right now is to be ruiners. Like, they're not good enough, really, to contend. You know how the, that old saying of, like, the thing that you hate most of all is your own weaknesses reflected back to yourself? I feel like mm-hmm. that drives a lot of my hatred of the Oakland Athletics because <laughs> I look at them and I'm like, oh, look at this team of offensive sluggers who, like, don't particularly do a lot of things well who don't Mm. who have a terrible outfield defense and a miserable pitching staff and a miserable bullpen and uh, it's just like all of our flaws kind of exaggerated Mm. writ large um speaking of the a's did you see what happened to them well except that they did kind of die today when the astros beat them 16 to 2 and dropped 20 hits on them uh, on on Brett Anderson, who the Mariners oh. <laughs> were absolutely flummoxed by, yes. and that was dumb game. as well as Wilmer Font, who apparently is an A, uh, is an what? A apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, wowzers, Bowsers. George Springer <laughs> six for six with a homer. <laughs> Those are the Astros I know and, yeah. and detest and sharing fear. the division <laughs> with. Yes. With I all was my wondering heart. when the bats would come alive. Turns oh, out the man. trick is one weird old trick to waking <laughs> up your bats, face some <laughs> Oakland Athletics pitching. Uh, uh, yeah, they're in dire straits over there as far as as far as that goes. But they're just you. hanging around in the standings enough that I'm always like, get away! Like, why yeah. won't you just die? They're also good enough, and this season has been weird enough so far that I would not be shocked to hear that like. They had this blowout loss today, and then tomorrow, or yeah. like whenever Sean Manaya starts, he throws like eight shutout innings against the Astros, and they clobber whomever it happens to be for seven or eight runs. Yeah, like, it's been weird baseball. It's there's been a lot of weird. It's been a season so far of some. Pretty there are weird no baseball. over five hundred teams in the American League Central. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cleveland got just kind of curb stomped by the Yankees this week. <laughs> yep. And, and the uh, Twins. What is happening? The winners yeah. of the off season. Why you can't <laughs> win an off season? Oh, just praised up and down and around the corner for all these smart, smart pickups they made. Like, and you know, you know, I love Lomo. Uh, he's been a disaster. Gar- uh, Fernando Rodney. Everyone was like, oh, what a smart pickup on the cheap for a closer. He's been Fernando Rodney. Th- how did people forget he was Fernando Rodney? 
and he was going to do <laughs> Fernando Rodney things. It's just, uh, it was bizarre to me to watch baseball writers fall all over themselves praising the Twins offseason when, like, they got pretty lucky that Lance Lynn wanted to go there, and he's been, oh, man, and then they have Sano, he's a mess. Oh, what? And I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about any of it. <laughs> I have no sympathy for the Twins. No yuck, please just yeah fail fail. I would like them to. They are on a four-game winning streak right now, so I would like them. To <laughs> they'll fail. They'll they'll come back and fail more. <laughs> okay. Um. Well. Uh. Should we get into some questions here? Since uh we're 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 right at the halfway point, we can take a quick break here. And uh, since I, you know I think we've sort of covered what we had laid out here. Is there anything else we wanted to touch on? Yes, I uh, want to say that they were actually not three and three, but like. The win that they got against the Angels in extra innings was so epic that even though <laughs> they looked pretty bad against mm-hmm. Garrett Richards and looked pretty bad against Otani, um, you know, they were essentially seeing, a lot of them were seeing Garrett Richards for the first time, obviously seeing Otani for the first time. I don't think, I mean, the splitter was nasty at times, and then his command was just shot other times. So mm-hmm. I feel like as far as a first pass at them, I felt okay about it. And that win, that epic win, <laughs> I mean, we- just emotionally, I feel like that carried, carried to me, yeah, okay, they were 3-3. Three and three. I was more mad against about the game that they dropped against the A's. Yeah. Than, well, oh. That was their first extra innings game, period. Yeah. So to have it come like on this major home stand in this spectacular fashion, like so I was at uh the Kendrick Lamar concert on Saturday night and mm-hmm. there was very intermittent service. Mm-hmm. So I experienced <laughs> not even a roller coaster, but what's that ride where you it takes you up to the top and drops you? Oh the um, the uh, Tower of Doom, the yeah. the vomitron, the barfoplex. That's the gravitron. Okay, yes. That's the thing where you stick to the wall. <laughs> That's a barfer. But no, this is like the 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 intense highs, and then just just being like you feel like you're gonna fall into the center of the earth itself. It, exactly. I yes. like they didn't hit at all, and then suddenly I checked again, and they were ahead, and then suddenly the game was tied, and Diaz had allowed them to tie the game and then I checked at the very end because I was waiting and waiting and waiting and I didn't want to ruin the concert by looking at bad news and lo and behold everything had exploded and I think it, like <laughs> I screenshotted slack because at like 9 30 I think Kate you said something about um how if like Ryan walked them off in the ninth inning you would, he would know, lose just your endear mind himself to the whole. I yes. was like, Ryan will do it and endear himself to the fan base forever. And then, like, two hours later, there you go. Yeah, I screenshot, I put that on Twitter <laughs> and I was like, it's okay, Ryan. Like, you take your own time, baby. I don't, I don't mind. Just bring, bring, he just has a taste for the, for the dramatic, which is, which is fine. Uh, yeah, I cannot remember a game I have recapped more than that one with, like, more... I, I was so mad. 
at times I was throwing things. Like when the <laughs> angels went ahead, I threw, I can't even remember what the order of operations was. The, the, um, the home run that Marco gave up, I was so mad about, and I just threw stuff around. Hmm. And then when Zanino put them up, I was just so elated and like couldn't believe I was floating on so many clouds. And then they taught, oh, I have not, no time last year, obviously, because the team was bad last year. So there was no, nothing, there was n- never really any hope last year that they were going to be able to pull anything out. So nothing was as intense as that whole experience and just the role. I mean, we throw the term roller coaster around a lot, but that was, I cannot remember going through more emotions. And I think I slept until like 11th. I wrote the recap. I ran around the house for a little while because I had so much extra energy to burn. And then I... (laughs) Went to bed and I slept until like 11, 11.30 the next morning. So I just like slept the, slept, uh, slept the sleep of the dead because I was exhausted. I can't imagine they all got up and played that game. So I'm not mad at them for being flat in it, but whew, boy. It was the most exciting and exhausting game I have ever been at. <laughs> I can only imagine... Uh, one hundred and sixty. Uh, what about one hundred and sixty? I was not at it. I was. I watched in. Uh, Wait, weren't you in and Portland. me and Mike Barr? It was me. It was the you three of you. Oh, yes. I because I had to go down to Portland. I remember. I was at. I was at game one hundred and sixty. Okay. Ran then to a bus, went down to Portland for the night, watched game one hundred and sixty-one, then took a bus back up the next morning for game one hundred and sixty-two, uh, where we all got. Very sad drunk. Yeah. Uh, I will and say. By we all, I definitely mean me for sure. And maybe you guys also. Um, but. I was at that game. And I feel like when you're at the games, like, because you're a little bit separated from the action, like, depending on where you're sitting, obviously. But um, you're, you're so in tune with the crowd. But. It was, to me, very different than, like, watching it on screen and maybe, like, sitting there with my computer and trying to capture GIFs and trying to, like, write up my thoughts so I could turn out a recap on time, which I didn't do. I posted at, like, 1230 the next day. Um, but Which is totally acceptable. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm so grateful for everybody who st- stayed up and read it. Um, but, yeah, I think there, there's a different experience when you're when you are able to watch things maybe more intently or more analytically rather than being both of them are super intense, but there's a different intensity towards being in a crowd and being part of something and then watching it on screen and like trying to capture it. uh, Yeah. Well, and and when you're writing or watching with the knowledge of needing to write about it later, you sort of gloss over small bits and, or like, I don't know, you kind of pick a narrative or the narrative stands out to you as you're watching and that's what you zone in on. Whereas when you're watching it in person, and especially Game 161 was just, everyone had, it felt like everyone had flung their collective hearts up onto the field and it was just at any given time you were reacting with all of your emotion to that single event. Absolutely. Like, just... 
just and it's may like it's early <laughs> early may so like if they can just keep giving us moments like that over the season i just i feel like that night and why i was so sad that they kind of laid an egg on friday night i was like oh all these people who came are going to be turned off by this experience like they're not going to become invested in the team and then I just think Saturday just grabbed all these people back. So if they can just keep doing this, like keep having these moments like this, keep having, even if they drop games in the series, like have a game like this on their home turf and they've not been strong at home, like do this, get the city out, get the city behind you. Safeco could be so fun this summer. Yeah. I won't even mind paying $40 for, like, a view-level ticket. <laughs> I say that well, now. We'll see. I, I think it's a testament to this team. Like, I was at the game on Thursday, and it was the first game of the season in person or that I'd watched or listened to that felt boring. It felt like a boring win. And I think that was just because... They were so every- They were so efficient. That was the one I was in the press box for. It was like, oh, you know, this is all going as planned. I imagine that's yeah. what it feels like to be an Astros fan. Like, you're like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. here, here is our offense executing as they're supposed to, and here is the defense not allowing them to score. Hmm. Which uh, is great, but and probably way less stressful than the way we are fanning, but also seems like <laughs> way less fun. Way less fun. Like, you can, yeah. like, eat a sandwich and... It's yeah. It's more cost effective to do it the way we do it. It, it. Yeah. Um. All right. Should we should we take a break and then uh, get to some questions? Sure. Unless you wanted to weigh in, John. Sorry. I have nothing to say. Well, I've never seen that be the case, but okay. <laughs> no, we no. Uh, I am. I'm looking forward to these questions, though. So. All right. We'll we'll grab a second here. Uh, we'll By a, a second, you mean break. another glass of wine? Uh, the candy corn in the car, but yes. <laughs> good, good calls all around. <laughs> all right. Okay. And we'll be back, be back in a sec. Sounds good. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are going to head to our questions. Um, we're recording on an off day, so uh, we don't have the uh, sort of mid-game question uh, segment that we sometimes have, but uh, some good, some good variety, uh, nonetheless. So uh, we can start right here. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll start with one from Chris at C from Bothell. We have a few here from Chris, uh, as is always the case. And as we are always appreciative of our most prolific questioner. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely get through a few of those various ones. Um, but, uh, let's see. Uh, isn't it vaguely goofy how much people were meowing about playing time or roster space 
for Aredia being blocked by Ichiro, and now that Aredia is here, and f number 51 is Sideshow Ichiro, left field has mostly been Gamel. Um, I believe we have the perhaps greatest Aredia advocate uh, <laughs> around on the podcast here, uh, and... Coupled uh, with one of Ben Gamel's staunchest defenders. <laughs> Indeed. Um, how how are we feeling? You know, sort of uh, about about old Benny Ballgame and and Guillermo and and what what their roles are. Uh, I, as you guys formulate, I can I can say that um, just so far this year. Uh, I believe Guillermo has out hit uh out hit Ben to the tune of a uh let me let me check one moment. I believe it's been a one fifty five WRC plus for Redia in forty six plate appearances. Uh and a twenty eight WRC plus <laughs> oh, no, in forty five plate appearances for Ben Gamble. So not a huge <laughs> sample size for either, but Certainly, Heredia facing mostly left-handed pitching uh, has been, well, has been the fifth best position player on the Mariners by F4. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say, it's it's a pretty cool thing to look at on Fangraphs right now. It's just their batting stats leaders page. Yeah. And, he, and also, I think this is, he's got a smaller sample size, obviously, mm -hmm. but this is a, him being healthy, mm -hmm. and B, him being deployed properly. Mm -hmm. So, like, getting back to Chris's question, I think it was less meowing about playing time for Heredia specifically mm -hmm. and more about how Gamble was out mm -hmm. and Heredia is superior to Ichiro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And wanting him. And so now, like, of course, Gamble was going to get the majority of the playtime when he came back because he was going to be their starting left fielder. And for all that Heredia has been really great this season and has this decent track record, he's a, he's a fourth outfielder. Mm -hmm. He's a very good bench piece and a very good fourth outfielder. But we saw last season he's not up for full time he's got those platoon splits and he also just really faded down the stretch and maybe that's something that changes if he's healthy this season mm. but it has seemed like and I, I think the platoon thing is a, a noteworthy one because he is he has you know if you look at it he has got dramatically worse offensive numbers against righties than than lefties and most of his work this year has been when you know he, he has started essentially every game where they've faced a left-handed pitcher uh and he should he should always be in the lineup when there's a left-handed pitcher starting um but you know he is a legitimately you know he is essentially the only player on the team that when they aren't starting has has been still you know an asset uh you know i David Freitas has been solid as a backup catcher, but you know you're not really using your backup catcher elsewhere. Hey, um, he played some first base. He, he played did. a good he first play, base. He did play some first base, <laughs> bizarrely, in that one game. Man, that was a weird one. That was a weird um, one. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Andrew Romine has been abysmal, and – Hey, know, he's I, just getting his, his first his, – his hitting streak going. 
<laughs> Kate. <laughs> just, just had to get the first one. The first one's the hardest to get. That is true. That <laughs> is absolutely true. Um, you know, I, I mean, Vogelback was had had the hot stretch, but sort of fell off. And um, I mean, Ichiro was bad. Gamble's struggled. I you know the only other bench player that has performed at all capably was Taylor Motter, and obviously mm. Taylor Motter is in Triple A right now. Um, Taylor Motter, who's one thirty WRC plus, is still the third best on the team uh, in his seventeen plate appearances, of course. But nonetheless, um, you know, already, I think is playing about as much as he should, as Isabel said. It's just that when if Gamble's just not uh, with it or either if he, if this is him really still working off the rust and trying to get back to full speed that's one thing but the fact that I'm skeptical that his full speed is something that we are should be that excited about him getting back to um how long was uh, uh how long was Hanniger bad when he came at, back from the injury? Cuz he was uh, bad for a while. Uh you mean from the From the oblique. Oblique. Yeah. Um like a month or so. Well, and then he had his hand injury. Yeah, right? and then he got hit on the hand with Which the was pitch. a blessing in disguise. Yeah. yeah. But uh, um, but he was bad for a well, solid Well, but he didn't month. he didn't miss time with the hand injury. He just played through that and then got hit in the face with a pitch yeah but he was not um, he was not strong during any of those times his peripherals were still strong if i remember correctly i think I they were decent correctly. he he was walking more than he did in the end of the year but yeah. um yeah he just didn't have the power um, no he didn't but he still had like a decent line drive rate right yeah yeah i think with gamel right now recognizing that he's as weak as he is, I think my biggest complaint overall is that they've been a little slow to pull him mm-hmm. with some of the later inning matchup yeah. or later game matchups. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like not quite like, I don't want to see them full time platooning left field simply because I don't think that's long-term beneficial to either Gamble or Heredia or the team overall, mm-hmm. but to like, really lean into those matchups because these are two players that like Gamble could just benefit from a little extra time off I think mm-hmm. and Heredia really does well against righties uh, lefties, lefties yeah. I'm sorry yes mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean I I am Kate's antithesis in believing in Ben Gamble but even I didn't think he'd be this bad. Like he looks, even his outfield defense. Yeah, his outfield defense, which, I mean, he doesn't take the best routes, but he has always been able to use his athleticism to make up for that. And he just looks, he looks a little slow to me, honestly. He looks a little like he's still figuring out how to judge. He he looks rough. He looks like he need, he needed to have a spring training, and he didn't. And they pulled him up from Tacoma. I think he was rushed. I think he was rushed back. His um, his line drive percentage, his ground ball percentage, his fly, like all those things are in line it, with where yeah. he was last year. 
it's just he is, and he's suffering a pretty low bat like a ridiculously low babbit like and he's had some really poor luck like you've seen you've seen him hit the ball hard and just like mm. right at people or you've seen him not get rewarded for hitting the ball hard so mm. there are some things that might straighten themselves out but i am concerned about his plate discipline because he's yes. always mm-hmm. been a pretty good I mean, I guess last year he only ran like a 6.5% walk rate, so he's about where he should be, and a 22% K rate, so 24 a little high, but it's about where he was. It's just he's not making authoritative contact, and these numbers are scary to me because they they don't look right. But at the same time, I, I am totally in favor of let Guillermo get the bunk, the bulk of the starts, but I don't think that solves Ben Gamble's issue. Like, no. What I will say is, I think the trouble for Gamble is, in addition to everything that you guys have said, is that he has such a he has such a clear book on him, and that's mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe that's being unfair to him, but it feels based on his. No, throw him, throw him baking, breaking balls in the dirt. He'll chase over the yeah, top of them. Like, exactly. it's very obvious, and we've seen it over and over and over again. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, you, I mean, he's getting barely – he's getting under under a third of the pitches to him have been fastballs, essentially. I, I guess no. He's, he's getting barely half of the pitches are fastballs. Barely a third are four-seamers. Um, you know, but he's getting nearly, nearly, you know, one in five pitches he's getting are sliders. I mean, that's, you know, and, and about 30% of the pitches he's getting are sliders or curves. And he just, he showed last year, he devours fastballs and he gets et up by sliders, um, which is, you know, a common thing in baseball, but he, he was so contact dependent and when he makes tons of contact on one type of pitch and no contact on a different type Mm -hmm. of pitch you know right now i mean he's just he's whiffing a ton he's swinging at pitches out of the zone way more than he used to or than he did last year and people aren't people aren't challenging him in the zone because they're seeing he'll just chase and and i think that he does either need sort of the Ryan Healy blessing in disguise extra, you know, week week or two down and you just bring up Kirk Newenheis no. or some other person. What? Kirk Newenheis is fine. No. Why? <laughs> maybe, what is wrong with Kirk? Maybe Andreoli, but I mean... What? I, I would be fine with Andreoli, but... Andrew, not any of them. Can, like a not any one fifteen, one oh seven WRC plus, and he's can, a lefty. He it has that because he hits like home runs, and then he strike. Look at his K rate; he strikes out all his the K time. His K rate's twenty seven percent, but he's walking eighteen percent of the time. Yeah, well, like, that's because all of Tacoma walks all the time. That's nothing on Tacoma. Before they released him, <laughs> Matt Hag had like a forty percent walk rate. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to take uh, that. And cut. No, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, no, I mean, new and ice, new and ice isn't great. No, I'm, I'm, I'm no, but it's I not mean, a great situation, it, but it's like, sad that think... Jason Worth is completely washed because I was, I think they were really hoping he would be an option to bring up. And I don't see what is an option down there. I, I mean, honestly, why not just bring up Ian Miller for the speed? Like, you know, you're going to get some speed mm-hmm. and a little bit of defense 
and some infield base hits, maybe. Because they've yeah, never seen I mean, him before and they don't have a book on him. So, Do you know? <laughs> I, boy, you're going to love this guy they've got in the front office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, although, you know, we know what. Uh, I mean, Miller's been Miller's been definitely He's hitting like 320 or something. Yeah, I mean, he's, why, he's been better. Why he's not? Why not? Is All the options are bad. So Because Andreoli's missed a bunch of time. He's just back from an injury. New and Heist, well, I don't trust at all. And Cam Perkins' <laughs> swing makes me want to. I love him. Nice guy. Uh, his swing makes me want to do violence. But so. he he doesn't appear to swing really at all. He's, he's fine. Uh, all, of, all of them would be okay. I, the reason I like New and Ice is that he's left-handed. Um, and Miller also fits that bill. Uh you know, just Andreoli and Perkins and Worth are all righties. And if we're going to call up a righty, they really better be able to hit lefties or really better be able to hit righties because otherwise, why not just start Aredia all the time? Which also, they should start Aredia all the yeah, time no, is, what I, is what 100%, I think. 100%. Like, shift Aredia to the starting role and, I don't know, call up Ian Miller to be like a – Speed on the bases slash every so often. Like, why not? What else are you going to do? Give I, the kids some service to, time. I kind of have to say, like, this early on, I would hate to watch Ian Miller and Dee Gordon in the outfield together. Like, <laughs> I think it would be so fun in September when Dee has had a season full-time center field. I just envision right now, like, two cyclones colliding. <laughs> Constantly. It would be very distracting yeah. to just see a, a small rabbit, or, just a very, or I guess a very large rabbit, just suddenly like blazing around the outfield while you're trying to catch a fall ball. Yeah, that's the other uh, thing is Miller's. Um, Miller plays a good center field, but his uh, the angles he's still learning the angles on uh, corner the, outfield. The sacred geometry of yeah, left field. It's a uh, it's it's a challenge at times. Uh, is he playing mostly center there? He's playing center. Yeah. Okay. And he's a much better center fielder than he is a, a corner outfielder. Interesting. Um, but no, I mean, it's the, the whole reason that it's untenable with Gamble is Gamble looks frustrated. Like, the bottom line of this is Gamble doesn't look right. He looks unhappy. He's pressing. I was really happy that in that epic win, he had that mm -hmm. good plate appearance, mm -hmm. laid off some garbage, like, and just poked that single. And that was yeah. super important. It kept the inning going that was huge. I so. mean, he ended up being the tie and run, right? Absolutely. Because that was Segura's yeah. little goofiness single mm -hmm. uh, thing. And yeah. Gamble just zoomed home, and he looked so happy. And like maybe <laughs> that, maybe that is what like releases the the gets the monkey off his back. But I, if he is not healthy. It, it's hard. That's hard. He, they need him. They need him to be right, especially yeah. with how, sh I mean, with how shaky we know the pitching is and everything is. They need. He needs to be. If he's going to play consistently against right-handed pitchers, he needs to be. You know, this whether it's this off day, whether it's that you know sort of good feed, positive feedback loop, whatever it is, it needs to lock in soon because there's not another lefty bat that is impressive. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we go to our second question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
Let's see. Here's a question from Joseph Alton. Uh, I guess I don't actually know for sure if it's Yosef or Joseph, uh, but at Joe Baseball 206 on Twitter, uh, are the Mariners going to win the next series against Toronto? And Ooh. also, why am I more worried about the series with Detroit? <laughs> Detroit's um, sneaky. They'll sneak They'll sneak up on you. They are like the White Sox in that they don't care. So they swing <laughs> at everything. This is true. And uh, they can put a hurting on you fast. Miguel Cabrera placed on the DL on the fourth. So he may be out, I believe, for their entire series, which... <laughs> Is a bummer for Miguel Cabrera and baseball, but definitely a big, big boon because Miguel Cabrera, pretty much all of his peripherals that said, oh, yeah, it's the same dude as last year, you know, as he's been always, except that for some reason everything was just an out last year. Looks like it's back in normal, and he's back up to a 146 WRC+. Plus. So, um, What is even in the bullpen in Detroit? Ho, ho, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I is Sh- wait no hang on is Shane Green a Detroit reliever with Green with an E because that's I think the only person I can think of. Oh, isn't he a Yankee? Who's uh, the Green? Who's a Yankee? That's I think Chad Green. Oh. Yeah, that's Chad Green. All of these greens are not to be confused. Ah, uh, yeah, green. Shane Green. Oh, and they have Warwick Soppold. Uh, this is the most north, like north, northern European bullpen I have ever heard of, <laughs> other than Joe Jimenez, uh, who might be Joe Jimenez, and it's like somehow he's from the Netherlands, but uh, based on the company that's being kept. But Daniel Stump. Drew Verhagen, Buck Farmer, Shane Green, Alec Wilson, and Warwick Sopold. Wearing that old English D with yep. such pride. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, not a lot that stands out here. Uh, Daniel Norris, I think, is also on the DL. Uh, yeah, Torres Groin, 60-day DL. Oh. So um, that is unfortunate there. Um. So That's, yeah, just just a really is... bad, really bad bullpen. Uh, they have a surpri- I think sort of a surprisingly good rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Zimmerman doesn't look terrible. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we'll see. I I don't know. None of these, I mean, none of these names scare me. That doesn't mean much, but like Matt Boyd, Michael Former, Jordan Zimmerman, Michael, or Francisco Liriano, Mike Fires. Like all of those are kind of dudes that, you know, we'll see four of those people and I think they'll be fine. Um, I think it has a lot of potential to look like the Cleveland series did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. It just would be. I don't know. They've got the whole. Here's what I'll say: If the Mariners are not winning three out of four or four out of four, 
It's probably it is not good, which is unfortunate. But like, you know that the yeah. If you if you're gonna have a good a competitive record at the end of the year, that you know these are the these are the games that are there for you to win. Uh, for sure. Oh. Yes. Oh. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Um. He's. I mean, he's got a four point three nine FIP. He's been, I think, just pretty unlucky. So I, I would be surprised to see him struggling. Yeah. Um. Just because I mean, he's his. Uh, he's also. You know, his velocity is down a little bit. Um, which he's is also coming off of a pretty good start against the Twins. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I will say I think if they can take that one, because I I do think Pax is still the better pitcher there. But um. Yeah, I I think they get one more because I think J Hap J Hap whatever who gives a shit about J Hap no one gives a shit about J Hap. <laughs> <clears throat> this <sighs> this entire series has the most perfect pitcher matchups we're mm-hmm. gonna get all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the pitcher we were always meant to have. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Do this is I guess unfortunately not entirely addressing it. Do you guys think after Rowan Elias went six innings tonight, uh, and looked pretty solid, do you think we see him up for the next round through the rotation? When did he? Wasn't he only throwing like three innings there? Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh yeah. I, okay. So six would... six hits, but just one walk in three innings. Uh, in the in uh his first start, and then I'd. Uh, think so. That's Colorado's those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'd hope uh, they give him a little more time in Tacoma, if only because I feel like they're having to redo whatever two years worth of nonsense the Red <laughs> Sox inflicted was upon him. Yeah, that's fair. That's and, fair. 
and to especially I don't I think that in order to have him start a game they would need to match him up with like Chase and Bradford or Casey Lawrence like with some other long reliever and I don't know if they honestly can plan enough for that Mm. at this point That's fair. Yeah. They, that's Arizona's AAA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we in the biz, <laughs> what we in the press box call. Mitch Handiger and uh, Mitch Handiger's old buddies and Cattell Marte's new buddies. Um, right. For sure. Okay. Well, let's, uh, I guess let's, let's finish that then with a, with a predicted, uh, predicted record. Uh, I guess like your, your predicted record and your like what your realistic desired record would be. No, sorry for the, for the, for that seven game set for the blue Jays and tigers. It's three, three three with Toronto and then four at, uh, I guess we could no. say it's eight because it's three in three in Toronto. Sorry, three in Toronto, three in Detroit, and then one, one makeup game at Minnesota. Yeah. Although we do have a much healthier team now, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Six and two. Yeah, all right, I guess that'd be five and three. But yeah. Uh, Isabel. Um. Yeah, I would. This is perhaps overconfident, but it does not seem uncalled for to expect them to take two from each of the series, and that Minnesota game is so. It's so weird. Like, mm-hmm. everything about that is funky. I kind of call that a wash. Mm-hmm. Just, if they win it, great. If they don't, 
just get out of there as fast as you can. Like, yeah, because we, we get them in, uh, in two weeks for Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz Wine Stopper set night. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the... <laughs> Hot take. Hot take, Kate. <laughs> I want them to win for sure, but I also like by the fifth inning, if they're down by more than four, I don't want any regular starter who does not have to be there, Mm -hmm. like in Minnesota at that point, like put Robinson (laughs) Cano on a jet, send him home. Uh Like, yeah. What? I I would also I would echo the I think it's reasonable f- to expect 5 and 3. I would like to see 6 and 2 and don't feel like it is outrageous cuz Toronto I you know Toronto's a good team. They have some good characteristics, but I I think they're a pretty even matchup with the Mariners and this is you know and Detroit is a worse team than the Mariners by a significant margin. And the I will say after the disaster that was Black Tuesday and the Detroit series last season, mm-hmm. I like I feel much more strongly about this Detroit series than I thought I would. <laughs> in that, similar to Kate and the crushing of Minnesota, I want Detroit to be demolished. I think you recapped it, Isabel. Was that were they playing the Twins or the Tigers? I think that was the Tigers. Maybe there was a different one that I'm not Ninth, remembering. But. Nineteen to something was the Tigers, right? Um, let's see. I I vomited through that entire game, like literally, literally vomited. Uh, there were you guys are both right. There was a nineteen to <laughs> nine loss that was black. That was uh, I believe Black Tuesday itself, um, April twenty fifth, uh, yes. and that was the Felix start. Um, and then later in the season, they lost on June thirteenth, uh, twenty to seven, to Minnesota. Oh, God, I recapped both of those. Um, I. Yeah, you did recap both of those. Um, (laughs) It oh, it got so dark. Set them on fire in your backyard. Um. (laughs) 
I'm. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I I went to find because Baseball Reference shows the schedule in like a neat little green and red chart, and yeah, the bar. And so I did find those two games by just looking at the longest <laughs> red bars, uh, which were both Isabel's purview. You narrowly, you narrowly missed out on the triple crown of the sixteen to one loss that they had oh. to the White Sox, uh, because. Yeah, the Midwest <laughs> coming at you, coming at you hot, um, and uh, not to not to player A, player B, but do you remember who started <laughs> the game for either team in that one in that joint that Anders Jorstad dutifully recapped <laughs> and included a tweet where uh, he said he compared this game to uh, a clip where and. High school students lined up to willingly get doused with pepper spray by <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, uh, that was th- this was a uh, a Mike Pelfrey start uh, oh. where Mike Pelfrey went six innings, gave up one run, um, and uh, the Mariners were uh, treated with Giovanni Gallardo giving oh up a God. four a four sp- a four spot in the first inning. Uh, making it through three and two thirds. That's and why this season is so much better. That's why it feels better. It does. No, no Giovanni Gallardo. Uh, and then followed up by Dylan Overton going four and a third. Oh. Uh, and uh, yes, this was the game that Mike Freeman also pitched. <laughs> oh. Uh, really a bummer that like because like later. <laughs> Oh man, this was the, I believe the same. Oh. Yeah, it is really rude that that was not the game that the like root broadcast cut out instead of the one in that same series where Guillermo walked it off, the um, which is the same Gavilio start, of course. Man, every God, I'm so happy. They're done in Chicago, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really great thing. Uh, do they play three or four there? Three? Feels like four every time. Four? Uh, we'll see. Three. Yeah. F- lost four to ten, one, one, zero. What a dumb game that was. <laughs> and then one, four to three. So yeah, This is a bad chart they've got a bad (laughs) 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 yeah six total against the White Sox this year? Yeah. Knock on all of the wood, Mm -hmm. but it's very cool to kind of scroll through this schedule Mm -hmm. and see that they have not lost more than two in a row. The the Houston series. The Houston series? Yeah. Where's the Houston series? Uh, 
April. Mm, mm, <laughs> but, but, I mean... Houston doesn't count. That, yeah, I was going to say, just, like... No. For the, realistically, like, that was like, well, sure. Uh, it is very much a, a, a neat thing that they they have been so... I mean, yeah. I, I am bummed that they, you know, that they lost another series here, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, they're... Mm-hmm. Right out the gate. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, June it does, stinks. It does really feel like the Houston is spread out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. The you know there's there's a f- the, it's definitely back heavy, but it is a lot more like palatable. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, I, I guess this is sort of the stretch. Like this essentially next almost calendar month. Well, yeah, calendar month basically is when they need to build up some wins. Yeah, uh, and because not when they play Houston mm-hmm. eight times in August. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, Toronto here, I mean, those are challenging games, but that's a team that if you get a couple wins against now, then that's a little bit of an edge you have later. Uh, you know, and then you get Detroit, uh, you get Texas. I mean, you get that one game in Minnesota. You get uh, Detroit again. You get Oakland again. You get Minnesota again. You get Texas. You get Tampa. Very average or worse teams. And, you know, that's because, yeah, because June, as Isabel alluded to, is a lot of the AL East. And that means, you know, you got pretty much you got all the time against Boston and you got the Yankees and the Angels just yeah. like insult to injury it yeah. i will say though to find that silver lining it has the potential to be a major boost if they like make it through even like at 500 in that really grotesque two week stretch Mm -hmm. like that can that can carry yes but if they hit 10 losses in a row that's where you kind of roll over into absurd comedy and that's fine (laughs) um well, uh, <laughs> answered the question, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> we did. Um, okay, Doug. Well, we have been going for a while. Uh, 
Um, so uh, we've got a few more questions here. I don't know that we'll get to all of them. Um, I think we could just sh do a quick couple hitters here uh, and then wrap up. Um, but uh, another question from Chris. See uh, from Bothell. Uh, AL West teams as vitamins or minerals. Uh, go. What's a mineral? LaCroix? <laughs> like, what mineral water? Yeah, I was going to say, I believe that's your, that's your, uh, periodic table. Some of that stuff, right? <laughs> you know. Hang on, I'll I'll call Zach down. Uh, we'll get we'll get the science man. Okay. Yes. slate because they are uh constantly kind of have exciting things uh that you find they find exciting things uh and you can uh often find them in hot hot places but they're really fragile and uh break down uh when you touch them <laughs> i have an update and what i was thinking of a shale <laughs> <laughs> Which is a thing I do every time. <laughs> um, how about... Oh, nope, Slate Magazine. That's what comes up when you type <laughs> Slate, apparently. Uh, well, that's what I've got. Uh-huh. Uh, they are... They're a, gu they're a are, very are they strong iron? gun. Are they iron? Maybe... Maybe the Astros are iron as, like, a vitamin because they're, they're strong. And also, oftentimes, if you take too much iron as a supplement, you get very sick, like I did. Play in Minimade Park, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh, and the A's are are graphite because they write down lots of equations because they're what? money ball dweebs. You know. Yeah. What? You, you graphite like in pencils. Now vitamin K. <sighs> Is vitamin K not just a like slang word for K ketamine? Uh, yeah. I th I thought it was a play on your name, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I ate kale for dinner. I will have you know I got every that is vitamin K as far as I'm concerned. Kale. 
Uh, yeah. Great. Heck yeah, I'm full of it. Got some vitamin K sitting over on the stove. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let, let's let's move from move from health health food to uh, to some sweets. Uh, rate the ballpark cotton candy on a scale from one to ten. Uh, two, if it isn't a ten, please just tell us which cotton candy is. And three, how much cotton candy is acceptable to eat during one nine inning game? Okay, I'm ready for this. Uh, one is the single puff of cotton candy that they sell rudely uh, for like $5. 10 is the multi-pack with layers of pink and blue. Um, there's <laughs> now, only what is one the and only difference 10. Um, pink and blue? Is so there... I, actually, I actually learned something sort of alarming recently. Yes. Uh, that labeled the pink flavor in this bag that was pink and purple and blue and yellow. The pink flavor was labeled watermelon, um, <laughs> which is upsetting and I think wrong. Um, <laughs> I've yet to actually see flavoring be assigned to the generic blue and pink that Safeco Field offers, but sometimes there is yellow, which is banana flavored and bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, but no, one is the small. 10 is the large because really with cotton candy it's not so much quality as it is quantity somewhat similar to your relievers um, <laughs> number two uh, if it isn't a 10 please tell us which cotton candy is done number three how much cotton candy is acceptable to eat um, so this is entirely dependent on the game uh, and how willing you are to feel bad afterwards uh, so if you have an engagement the next morning, if you plan to go out to a bar afterwards, I would recommend not eating large amounts of cotton candy. Uh, but if you are just giving yourself over to the game, or if it's a close game, or a boring game, eat all of the cotton candy. Um, depending on how you feel financially about forking over a lot of money for air and sugar. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's entirely dependent. I have mainlined more cotton candy than I care to admit during a single tense seventh inning. Mm -hmm. um, ooh, I feel the exact opposite. Floss? Floss. Floss. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Also, it makes me, but it's more cottony than flossy. Flossy? That was a word that rappers used in the early 2000s, right? Yeah. Was it Fergie? Who did Laffy Taffy? Did he call something flossy? Uh... I believe that was D4L. Uh, I don't recall the lyrics of that song, though, <laughs> particularly well. Uh, he was looking for Mrs. Bubblegum. That much I remember. 
I'm mixing up my candy songs. Girls call him Jolly, Jolly Rancher. Um, it's it's a beautiful song. Can this be our ex song? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll throw that in there. Um, I don't. A quick Google find or uh, Control F for Flossie with the uh, Laffy Taffy lyrics has come up empty. Far uh, East Movement did an entire song called Flossie. There you go. Featuring K, including the lyrics, I'm Flossie, yeah, I'm Flossie. Mm. Um, yeah, okay, I'm convinced. Uh, I don't know what Mr. Chico Stick is really... Oh, God, I know <laughs> much more of this song than... Oh, she <laughs> does use Flossie. Fergie uses the phrase Flossie and Glamorous. When she says that she won't change for the glamorous, oh, the flossy. Oh, uh, there we go. I was going to say, where's Evan with our uh, Beyond the Lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> it's a common Ferguson Keats, you know. question from Mariners and O's fan at Orioles PDX uh, about the Mariners run differential, uh, which we touched on a little bit, um, and I, I don't want us to get too far down, but I do think, Kate, I know you and I talked a little bit about this, and Isabel, you and I have talked about it at various points as well, but um, just how the Mariners kind of have a good bullpen and a bad bullpen like a bullpen they use when they're in games and a bullpen they use when they're out of games mm-hmm. and how that, which is like not the best, but it's like, uh, it is pretty, it, it definitely, I think has some bit of explanation for why their bullpen is so much. <laughs> I, I. Who? Sorry, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. What? <laughs> fucking. We have discussed your educational experience before, but what the fuck <laughs> were you doing? Oh. Uh-huh. Were you guys not just like, did they not just have like a bookshelf that was like, hey, go wild. Don't like hit each other with these. What? Like, Ah, <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> silent SSR, silent something read. <laughs> Maybe. Is that the thing? Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but but waiter waiter Todd is like the clear example of you know one of one of the the chaff can ascend. That would be a really fun addition to the rookie backpack because, you know, like they send, they send two rookie backpacks out and one is. <laughs> or imagine if, oh, this would make baseball so much more fun. Imagine if instead of like raising his right hand or his left hand, service like brought out a different colored flag. And you didn't know which flag he was going to pull out until he like reached into Robbie's hat and pulled one out and waved it around. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right. Uh, well, let's let's finish up with this question from. Pacific Northwestern Vagabond at uh, Vagabond PNW, um, which is uh, a simple issue of, of travel to Tacoma. Uh, my gas gauge goes down and then randomly goes back up and stays there. What are the odds that there are gas fairies magically refueling my tank? Uh, and is this question about Wade LeBlanc uh, and his <laughs> 85 mile per hour fastballs? <laughs> Fairy flaws. <laughs> Um, as, as the owner of a car whose gas gauge, uh, sometimes is, is slightly deceptive to me, um, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, and, and I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, we watched him throw zero pitches as hard as Edwin Diaz threw the softest pitch of like ever in his entire season and still throw four shutout innings. So I'm not going to rule out uh, these sort of creatures having an influence there. Let the record show that John actually yawned during his own conversation here. Ron, realistically speaking, you probably need to reset your fuel gauge. It is likely a mechanical issue or a wiring problem. Isabel, have you ever considered launching a reboot of Car Talk? Because I, I, <laughs> I think there is a significant portion of the population that would be thrilled to hear you just deliver automated or automotive advice uh and I, it is some a, a characteristic of your knowledge that i know is deeper than you often let on it you uh, who said i didn't drive i elect to use seattle's uh many public transportation options uh, <laughs> also zach uh, has been standing at the door Talking at me. Yeah, we we heard him. Okay. 
Um, no, I drive. Please. Yeah. You, I just you... don't drive in Seattle because it's expensive. And I take advantage of the public transportation system here. But I also... And my you're scared of cities. I'm not scared of cities. My mother notoriously did not actually allow me or my sister to drive in cities unsupervised until I think I went to college. Um, <laughs> and then she finally allowed it. But my dad's a big car guy. And by, perhaps by talking about this, he'll listen to baseball things. Yes, Ron, bring the car over to the island. We'll help you out. <laughs> to car gurus. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, it has been a long time. It had been a long time since we talked to you. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. I'm so... Oh, Christ. It's so long. Oh, my God. Well, to the, to, to the like, two people... I, I was going to say, I know Isabel has remarked occasionally that she will listen to our podcast and like go to the gym and just like listen and like run until the podcast ends and i hope there's no one else who does that because congrats on the two hour just fun jog you set up for yourself <laughs> courtesy of your your friends at lookout landing 